Hello, it is Friday. That means bring it in with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm tired, and I'm ready <laughs> for the games to start. I am, it, especially tomorrow night. It is playoff time. We have the two eight-seed uh, eight play-in games to go tonight, Friday, the night we're recording this. And then tomorrow, Saturday, playoffs begin, and you have written thousands of words for True Hoop. Uh, you scoured through hours of tape. Watching these teams broken down. You've talked in a million podcasts. We're going to do that here. But I thought we'd do it a little bit differently today, Coach. You know, look, you guys, you come to True because you get different stuff, right? You don't get the same old that you get from everywhere else. Nothing wrong with breaking down this series. Who's the X Factor? Who's the MVP? Blah, blah, blah. And that's all great. But we have a way of looking at things a little bit differently because we're always trying to get to the truth here. And if you guys are followers of True you know we have someone named Jeff Vogel who follows the betting lines and pays really close attention, attention to what's happening from a Vegas insider perspective. And he has been giving us some content this week on the playoffs and will continue to do so going forward. As we say in the true hoop pieces that have come out around this, we're not affiliated with any of the betting houses and we don't offer you picks. But we do think that those, though the information that comes out around that is illustrative of what could potentially happen in these series. And it's very interesting. And I want to take a, a piece from Jeff's, uh, one of Jeff's recent pieces for us where he says, sports, be- sports betting markets tap into the wisdom of crowds, which research shows can be incredibly powerful in making predictions of all kinds. Opening betting lines created by professional odds makers tend to be pretty good. Then they're sharpened by professional bettors, many of whom use state-of-the-art prediction modeling. They've leaned into the position th- themselves against the public to maximize profit. Once point spreads and future prices have settled into place, they arguably, arguably represent the sum of all models. Though not perfect, nothing could be in a sampling strongly influenced by shooting and injury variants, betting markets simply provide excellent predictions of how an NBA postseason will unfold. And I said, that's brilliant. And I think that's exactly what we should do. So we're going to look at these series by what the betting and gambling odds are. So, Coach, we're going to start in the East, and the series that you not only wrote specifically about, but you also talked about in your larger conference preview, the Philadelphia 76ers, the four seed, versus the number five Toronto Raptors. Now, the top two odds in terms of series length, in terms so when I say the top two odds, the two odds that are more likely to happen based on what Vegas says from a favorite perspective, right? So we're looking at plus 200. That means you bet 100, you win 200, right? That's a two to one odds. They say plus 1,000, well, that's like 10 to one, right? It's like, mm, it could happen, but highly unlikely, right? And so on, and we go from there. So the two odds in that series, Coach, that according to Vegas, that seem most likely, 76ers win in five, that's plus 360, or 76ers win in seven, that is also plus 360. What are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I get it. They're, you know, I, I had them as one of my highest uh, uh, ceilings when we did our thing, you know, a month ago or whatever. But um, I have the Raptors winning the series because I, I don't trust James Harden. I think it comes down to Joel Embiid is going to be great. Uh, uh, Matisse Thibault misses at, at, least, at least three at least games, two. obviously all the games mm-hmm. in Toronto, mm-hmm. which means Siakam has a chance to have a phenomenal series and be potentially the second best player in the series. And I think if that's the case, they have a great chance to win. Harden is the X factor of, of, of the many. Um, and I just, you know, this is where the, the wisdom of crowds and, and all these sharp bettors, they're, they're only guessing like I am. And I understand why you bet on James Harden. I, I think he's a, one of the most talented players we've ever seen. 
Uh, and I think I haven't studied the spacing, Gerard, of the of the series. But uh, when mm-hmm. I did the low post earlier, Zach mentioned that they do have some good times between games, mm-hmm. which is good mm-hmm. for James Harden. But for sure, I don't. This is just me talking. I don't trust it. And if I'm going to be wrong, I've 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 picked Houston so many times before and failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so many times, but sometimes. I I'm going to be wrong, but I'm I'm not going to bet on. I would not be betting on James Harden to win this series. And uh, or I wouldn't be betting against Nick Nurse also. James Harden, one of the all time great players in NBA yep. history, top 75, all that. And we all know that come postseason. And I, I want to be clear about something. Just about everybody in the history of the NBA sees their efficiency in particular drop come right. postseason. 99.9% of players do. I think only two in the history of the NBA have never seen it. It's like Jordan and LeBron, maybe, or Jordan and Kareem, something like that. Basically, the three greatest players of all time. Everybody else, their efficiency falls off because it's hard to score in the playoffs and you're tired as hell. It's the end of the regular season and now you're playing more intense games. What I think is interesting, though, is the Vegas line of plus 360 for Sixers and five and plus 360 for Sixers and seven. And why I think it's interesting, Coach, is that's telling me I see a referee component in there. Being that if the refs are calling the game very tight, Embiid will foul out front lines in, you know, two quarters and a half, right? And Harden's very good at drawing. And they're doing that. That means they're getting cheap points at the line. And they're very good free throw shooting team. The two, the two of them are high 80s. I mean, that's they can go to the line 60 times in a game. You do that, that's hard to beat a team when they get free points like that. So I could see that happening if, you know, a game goes that way. On the other end, the, this the seven, that's saying to what you're saying. They're not believing in James Harden so much, right? They're like, ah, after Embiid, we know what Embiid can do. The rest of this team, we're not so sure on. And Scotty Barnes and OG and Pascal and Fred Van Vliet and all these amazing guys over in Toronto, look, Gary Trent, these guys can play. And I think that, you know, look, if they win in six or seven, they being the Raptors, I would not be surprised. By the way, Raptors in six plus 500. Raptors in seven plus 650, which means Vegas sees that those are possible, right? That's possible. Five to one ain't out of, that's not out of the ordinary. That's okay. We can make that happen. Yeah. The Sixers, I guess too, to get your point, um, they don't think the Sixers are likely to win in game six. Uh, And and that is something I've never, I mean, I've been picking series now since uh, my first playoffs ESPN was 2008. So I've been picking series since 2008 and I've never once thought about winning on the road with uh, some exceptions based on mm-hmm. um, some teams just terrible on the road. But normally, mm-hmm. better teams, I don't know what the what the percentage is, but I bet it's closer to 50-50 than anyone realizes, especially Probably. in a 4-5 or five series. They, uh, they, these are professionals, and they went on the road all the damn time, including in NBA Finals. Game 7s are a little bit different, obviously. The, the Warriors, the Cavs are a little bit abnormal. Um, but, but these other games in the, regular, in, the, uh, in the series prior aren't as bad. And uh, that's where Thibault's uh, absence mm-hmm. is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I get mad at myself every year when I pick against where I think it, there's a huge edge in coaching. And, and I've been a Doc Rivers fan for a long time, but I don't feel it in Philly. I don't think he'll be there next year. It's just my it. own gut feeling. I don't think he'll be there next year. Absent so a real good run. And, and, and I don't know if Nick Nurse will be in Toronto. I know this. Nick Nurse will be employed for sure somewhere. Doc probably will, but I don't think it's definite. I know people are talking about L.A., but, um, you know, now it looks like maybe Mark Jackson gets that, which we can talk about that if you want. Um, Yeah, I just – Philly, you know, first of all, Atlanta beat New York last year, five versus four. 
Mm-hmm. That was a this is this is a toss up series, and um, I, the way these teams are both trending, I, I just I think Toronto is an easier team to believe they can continue to find ways. But to your point right away on the gambling side, it's it's hard to pick against the the, the better, better team during the regular season, which they were, and they've got potential. They definitely have the best player in the series. So. I don't even like picking against. I don't like picking against the better coach or picking against the mm-hmm. better player. Mm-hmm. And um, Embiid is clearly the better, the best player in this For series. Sure. But man, Siakam's going to make All NBA. Harden isn't. I don't think. No, he's not. Harden's not. Siakam really has no a chance way. to. He does. Siakam can definitely make third team. Look, I'm with you. The nurse advantage is clearly there. Um, it's not saying that Doc's a bad coach. It's just that I don't know. Something's funky going on there with, with that situation. And here's another thing that we, you know, before we move to the next series, we've talked for I don't know for five, six minutes about this series. Tybal being missing is going to be huge. We haven't mentioned Tobias Harris once yet. And that's a problem considering he's, what, a 30-something million dollar a year player? Uh, I mean, that's someone who you would anticipate being your second best player or your third best player. And he's, what, fourth? After, he might be fifth. I, <laughs> he might be fifth. I have another question for you, though. This, this is something that I can't answer nearly as well as you, I don't think. Um, all right, so, Gerard, let's say... The Raptors win game one mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And now we're, we're mid-third quarter, game two, Sixers down 10. They're playing fine, not so fine, rather down a little bit. But Harden is like two for nine. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the, what's the over-under in your line and how many people are booing at that point? They've lost game one. He didn't play well. Game two is <laughs> two of nine for you know five points and three assists and one turnover and looks a little bit disinterested. Uh, is anyone booing? Everyone is booing. Okay, there we go. That's huge. <laughs> Everyone is booing. This is everyone. This is. I did not predict that on on Zach's show today, but I've done a lot of pods all week. I've not said everyone is booing, but I definitely proffered the idea that there'll be some booing. And so Harden apparently said this week that he doesn't feel pressure. To which I'm like, well, what happens when they start booing you at home, buddy? After you, you, you got you, out of two different teams, we get Houston. You're gonna feel it. And not only that, coach. The, the other piece of that, too, is down 10, they're kind of playing, eh, whatever. Down 1-0 could go down 0-2 before they go on the road without Tybal. Right. The, the crowd's going to get nervous. And when they get nervous, they're going to get angry, right? Nervous first, then angry. And then it's just going to – look, here's the thing about Philly that I could see. Immense talent, of course you see that with Harden and Embiid. Yes. Yeah. But they also, to me, if things go bad, I can see them imploding faster than any team in the postseason. They go down 0-2, I'm like, oh, this could be ugly, quick. I agree. And they only will be booing because they'll be indoors. They can't throw snowballs. <laughs> maybe, maybe they might Shout go uh, locks or something, but they're, 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 not having, they're not having this team going 0-2 at home. And no. I'm not predicting they'll go 0-2 at home. Everything's possible. But, right. man, game one, I think, for them is fucking Sheesh. monumental. Sheesh. And I don't I believe – I've never once said that I, should, I almost never say game one is everything. In this game, in this series, I think it's a big damn yep. deal. Agreed 100%. All right, next series, the number three Milwaukee Bucks versus the number six Chicago Bulls. Um, the three favorite series endings, uh, endings in terms of odds, Bucks in five plus 180, Bucks sweep plus 230, Bucks in six plus 350. Well... That's telling me Chicago don't really got much of a shot in this series. <laughs> no, no, I feel I feel for them. You know, I think you do too. If Lonzo's healthy, 
Uh, if Caruso mm-hmm. had stayed healthy, mm-hmm. uh, I think they drafted Patrick Williams to guard Giannis. And I thought it was, I predicted they would on our show two years ago uh, for this exact reason. He is going to be a guy that is going to be a Giannis garter, not a stopper, a garter. He just came back. He looks great. He had 30 something the other night, I think, but he ain't ready to stop Giannis. No one's ready to guard Giannis, really. And, um, and, and, and the Vucevic, I, I think the NBA is showing us how you can play two bigs when one of them isn't a, a rim protector. You have to have the other guy do it. But mm-hmm. they don't have that. And Vucevic is really more of a finesse center as opposed to a gigantic Brook Lopez type. Um, uh, and so, or Steven Adams, uh, Jared Allen, great rim protector. Um, I, I think that they're not going to be, I mean, when I watch tape on them, Gerard, it's humorous. Fucking Giannis is trying to dunk everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like no. when, I, when I would, when, this is, you're going to laugh at this, but when I was in college, and, you know, I'm just a regular six-foot Jewish guy, but the other Jewish guys in my frat were all like a 5'8". <laughs> Not all, but many of them. My best friend was a really athletic 6'2 guy that could dunk the hell out of it. That wasn't how most of these guys looked like. So on occasion, in order for them to be able to dunk, we would go to like eight, nine-foot baskets. <laughs> and, and I just, I try to dunk everything because these little guys couldn't do anything about it. And so I'm telling you, I thought about that. Now, Giannis is obviously on a 10-foot basket against NBA men, and he's super long. I couldn't do any of that. I had to get right to the rim. But I'm telling you, he tried to dunk shots that he should not have even tried. Yeah, but, it, yeah. but that's his mindset. And so I think, I think Milwaukee is going to recognize, you know, you know how some teams, this is what, I'm, what am I saying? You follow the Nets. They, they, <laughs> I wrote this. They, they kind of play with their food a little mm-hmm. bit, but they're mm-hmm. not hungry. All the time they play with their food. Okay. So I think they're going to realize we have a chance to mop the Bulls out of the gym and then get a good week rest mm-hmm. because the rest of the, of the East might be tough. Hawks heat ain't yeah. no joke at 1-8 yeah. if indeed that's yeah. what happens. And if it's Cleveland with Jared Allen, also not a joke. So I think Milwaukee got lucky as hell. It won't be lucky from then on. Let's win in four. I mean, ev- dunk everything, attack everything. We are not playing with our food. Let's get this thing done. I, I picked, I think, in five, and it could be four or five. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Milwaukee got lucky here, and then it's going to be tough. I still think they have a chance to win these, but a good chance, but it won't be easy after the Yeah, the, the fact that it's sweet plus 230 and, and five plus 180, I mean, that's yeah. all you need to know. Yeah. Also, I love this series in the standpoint of, from a travel perspective, this is a short trip yeah. for Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Chicago is a 35-minute flight. Like, I mean, this is – they're up and down. And it's – again, they sweep in four. They have a nice week to 10 days off because these other series are going to go long, more likely, six, seven. And, so, and no travel in between to get worn down. Yes. They're, they're going to – if they win in four, they're going to win game four. Let's, I don't know what time the game is at. Let's just call it – the, the game will be over at 930 if it's a, mm-hmm. if it's a uh, weekday game. Right. They'll be in their beds at home by midnight, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. having just driven. Yeah. As, as Hollinger and Zach uh, have both uh, joked this week, they can just take an Uber back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, guys, you're on your own. I, I, they could even actually take a couple of days off, potentially. Yeah, for Let's sure. Let's just fly to the Bahamas. I mean, they can do, I mean, they can do whatever they want. It's just yeah. not going to be traveling at all. Yeah. So a, I mean, they could easily bus. I think they probably will bus. That's a, a that's a huge piece of them. The other thing I'll add here, and you wrote this in your in your piece. Look, we both don't think the Bulls have a chance. However, they can make it funky if Nikola Vucevic does something. And what do you think he should do? 
Yeah, so in, he shot more threes against Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't guard threes above the break, with some exception. They really want to clog the paint. I'm not arguing with them. Clearly, they figured something out over the years. And so Vucevic went two, two of 5.5 over, over the three or four games he played against them this year, which is good. He hadn't shot great all year, 31% from three, I think, but 40% against, against the Bucks in those games. And so if I'm Billy Donovan, and, and I know I'm up against it, and he does, one thing I'm saying is, hey, anytime you're guarded by Giannis or Brooke, uh, just shoot that bad boy as much as you can, and we'll li- we're going to lose anyway. Let's just hope you, you make some. And now we force an adjustment. Now Brooke mm-hmm. has to come out more. Giannis has to come out more, which means we can attack the paint more. But they got two seven-footers in their starting line of protecting the rim. Let's make it one. Let's cut yeah. that in half. Uh, and who knows? I mean, funny things happen. Uh, as I said earlier, um, Vucevic knows what it's like to win game ones. Orlando used to win game ones all the time <laughs> against Milwaukee yep. before they got spanked. So, yeah, yep. he's got to be saying, guys, we can steal game one. I don't think they can. I think this team is significantly worse because they were so high a month ago, and I think that matters. And now they know, too, it's, it's, it's over soon. Too bad yeah. for DeRozan because he had such a great year. It is. It, it really is a shame because Chicago really had a, had a great year, but COVID and injuries really, really hurt them. All right, in the 2-7 matchup that has got everybody excited, the Boston Celtics versus Brooklyn Nets. Again, three most likely scenarios, outcomes based on the odds. Celtics in seven, plus 340. Nets in six plus four hundred, Celtics in five plus four hundred. The odds makers see to me like like it's one of those things where it's going long, right? Like, or or they go, you know, Brooklyn just those small dudes on the perimeter, they can't they can't do it. They go up three zero, it's a wrap. They're gonna save face, win one, and then it's Celtics in five. But otherwise, the series is going seven six seven games most likely. And if it goes seven, we always say that's a toss-up game. I mean, it is in Boston, so you probably give the edge to Boston because they're at home. But crazy things happen in game sevens. I, I think I have the Celtics in seven. I, I don't remember. It's been, it's been yes, a long you do. Days, you do. You have Celtics I, in seven. I do. Uh, and I wouldn't if Robert Williams, if you told me he was playing, yeah. I would mm-hmm. definitely have the Celtics in five or six. Probably six, I would say. Uh, it's, 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 it's not impossible for the Celtics to win in five or four. It just... I ain't doing that to KD. <laughs> like, I've been around yeah. long enough to know. And, and, and nothing against Kyrie, but it would be KD. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing, too, and I, I don't know if I've said this with you, but I've talked about it a lot. Um, the Nets are a great front-running team, and I don't mean that critically. So hear me out on this because it's going to sound bad. You know who's not a good front-running team? The Jazz. They, they have <laughs> lost some big-ass leads. Well, the Nets, I don't think that would happen with them because uh, uh, Kyrie – and KD are such brilliant players that if they're up 10 with five to play, which is a comfortable lead, but it isn't 100%, they're going to spread you out. You're going to play with urgency, which means you're going to be forced to press up and make mistakes, and they're going to pick you apart and get nothing but lobs and dunks and wide-open threes at the end of a clock. They're going to bleed that game right out, and uh, I just don't think you're going to come back from them. Obviously, everything's possible, but I don't think it's very likely. However, my contention, Gerard, is... That the KD, if you looked at, I'm going to say this, of all the players in the postseason right now, I would rank the three smartest guys playing, well, I'm going to make it four. Chris Paul, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, KD. In in any order you want. Let's just all call Mm -hmm. them geniuses. They're all Einsteins. Mm -hmm. Well, Einstein can do math and so can KD. So when Durant was asked earlier this week, and you probably know the quote better than me, but when he was asked, uh, had you not stepped on the line 
yeah. against Milwaukee, yeah. all right, mm-hmm. would you have won? He's like, no. no. <laughs> I had to play right. 40 something minutes. Right. Okay, I think right. we've talked this on Monday. Yep. Well, Gerard, he's done the math. Like, he's going to be doing this. He has to know if for us to win 16 games, I'm going to have to play 42 minutes to average each one of those games. That forget about all the other ones I'm going to play 42 and we're still going to lose. Mm-hmm. And I'm not 24. Like, Correct. no, I can't. And it's not like he doesn't have to play defense on that team. He does. Mm-hmm. He, there's no plays off. So mm-hmm. I think that he knows, hey, let's just roll. But, you know, if we're down 12 early third quarter. I'm going to play, but I ain't going to kill it. I'm going to try to get the next one. And that is not, in my opinion, the best thing you do. I think he's smart to do it for self-preservation purposes. So to me, startings, how the Nets start is a big deal. And yeah. I don't mean first quarter only. Third quarters are important too. They, if, if they're up or really close, I think it's a different story. But as things bleed away, especially mm-hmm. against that juggernaut defense that Celtics have, especially yep. if Robert Williams comes back mm-hmm. and they become a, a, a really an extraordinary defense, like some of the best we've ever seen, I, I see the Nets folding in any one game. But it's going to end up being four of those seven games, I think. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. Robert Williams doesn't come back and it goes seven. Again, I, I don't care about this. I don't care about the Celtics home crowd. It's not the finals. <laughs> Right, um, right. Uh, if we get to that point and everyone's healthy on both teams, you will not hear me say there's no way the Celtics lose in game seven. <laughs> as long as KD is dressed. Right. No you way. got a chance. Yeah. yeah. He might have to go no, for 50, uh, though. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. And I think he said this. Um, it was towards the end of the regular season. You know, he was like, look. And you remember, he signed the extension, right? So he's here for another four more seasons after this. He's like, we're trying to build something long term here. So I think he's already done the calculus in his head. He's like. All the luck has to happen for us to win a championship this year. And it's probably not going to happen. So he's a competitor, so he's going to battle and do what he has to do. But I think you're right. They get down 18 or 20 at some point. It's going to be like, oh, what are we doing here? I, I can't play 48 minutes in a loss and come back two nights from now and do that again. So we're going to chill. Let's, you know, punt on this one. And we're going to, you know, come back and make sure we're ready for game two. So I definitely see that happening. I think what's going to end up hurting this team, Coach, is their lack of size on the perimeter. When you got to play... Too many minutes with Kyrie, Bruce, Patty, and Seth. It's just, I mean, you're Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are six, seven, and talk. You're, you got nothing. Like, even if you as try, try as hard as you as you must, like you always say, the hardest thing to do in this league is score over length. Well, that ain't no length, right? Those those little dudes, they just don't have it, and I think that's going to ultimately come to bite them. Now, with Katie and Kyrie, because they are the most incredible shot makers that we have in the league. They can just go nuclear and, you know, win a game they probably shouldn't, right? They, so They probably will. They probably will right. once or twice. <laughs> uh, to me, one of the problems is um, if, if the Nets, we're going to talk about another, the other 2-7 series is just as interesting. Mm-hmm. Memphis, mm-hmm. Minnesota is a fantastic series. I know we'll get to that. But if, uh, if Steve Nash's team, I'm not blaming Steve Nash because I don't know what the answer is. But um, if Steve Nash's team ran the way Minnesota and Memphis run their offense, uh, the Nets would be way better offensively. But because they don't, and I, it's probably because the players just don't feel like it, the two stars, they just want to do their thing. There's so much pressure on them to produce, and they, they have to make the offense work instead of the offense helping them work. Mm-hmm. But Boston doesn't play that way. Boston right. runs nice stuff all the time. And, yeah. and they've got yeah. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. who are two-way wing stars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the mistake I think we make all the time. KD deserves a ton of credit for being the two-way player that he is. But we have a lot of elite scorers that aren't. But those two guys are. Not that Brown's mm-hmm. an elite scorer. He's a good scorer. Tatum's elite, I think. And deserving of all-NBA, maybe first team, which is amazing. 
And I will point out, I forgot about this, but someone emailed me the other day. We wrote a piece early this season when Tatum was struggling. And I had watched the tape and I, I wrote, I told, I remember calling Henry, said, Henry, you know, I want to write something saying, I think Tatum's doing just fine, even though right. people are going crazy. He's, he, just he's missing, just missing shots. shots. I don't know why. I just know he's missing good shots. Well, not anymore. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I give Ime a ton of credit. He's my pick for coach yeah. of the year. He didn't yeah. panic. He didn't, he, there was no trades about Tatum. They have found a way to play that makes it exciting for years to come. I, I want to address something else you said, because I'm so glad you said it. I think you're exactly right, Gerard. I think KD looked at the four years left, and, uh, and he ain't going to panic over this year. I, I, I tell you what, I, I can guarantee you this. He does not want to lose next year because of injury in this no. postseason. No. If he no, feels any calf strain, he's out. And, and, and that's the thing, too, right? I think this is where, if you're Sean Marks, you're probably feeling it a little bit, right? Like, so last year, he right. came back after the Achilles. He, he missed time because he, he had the COVID stuff and, and, and an injury last year. Then this year, the injury is a freak thing, right? Bruce Brown got knocked into his leg, and that's, that's how he got hurt. But what he's been on the floor, Coach, the last two seasons, he's played like an MVP, best player in the world. And in a sense, you can be like, damn, we wasted two really good KD years post-injury. How many more seasons are we going to get of him playing at this level? I don't know, because it ends for everybody at some point, right? How, so, how old is he? How old is he? 33. Okay, so do you think he's, he's capable of doing most of what LeBron did this year at 37? Yeah. I do too, as a scorer. As he's a not scorer. the player. LeBron, he's a he, won't player be, LeBron. he won't be able to defend probably as well as he, as he does now, uh, but still scoring, yeah, for sure. I think so. So he's got... In in four years, if he's your second best overall player, right? You're good. You got, you're you're good. You're good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, especially if you get some dynamo. Like if you if they had drafted Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones the way the Pelicans <laughs> did, or picked up a two way, those guys next to a player like KD, come on, oh, your your money. And they're going to be with Zion and Brandon Ingram. That's a foreshadowing, you know. And and I think in the future, this is why the Nets are kind of playing coy about the whole Ben Simmons thing because you, I mean, Ben yeah. Simmons is twenty five, right? Great point. And he's got. So it's like, look, man, next year you get a healthy year out of Ben Simmons doing all the things he does. Now, of course, your wild card is Kyrie Irving, which is like, the last year was COVID. Who knows what it's going to be next season? Because it's good. It, well, because it's going to be something. It's going to be something. And I, I the question is, do you extend him? I say no, but they're going to do it because they have to. But I'd say I wouldn't if it, if it were. Well, me. but you know, you would do it just to retain his rights, and then you trade him, maybe. Yeah, yeah correct. Yes. Okay. So I, I'll say this. Um, I've never really been a big Kyrie fan for all the reasons that you could probably guess, but I will, I will tell you as, as a, in terms of watching him, he's, oh, as, he's oh, oh. I mean, it's, it's it takes <laughs> it's your breath. Ridiculous. The shit it's he ridiculous. does, man, as a teacher, like if I could just, if I could just have everyone study <laughs> that field game, my goodness. It, the mean, ball slows most people down. It, it's like, he's a magician. He's a magician he, with the ball. I watch him split two seven footers with that escape dribble. I'm like, you're six foot like one and change, maybe. How the hell? Like his the way he can because again that the ball he uses the ball as a tool right yeah. to get himself out of situations, and it's like, but that's that's incredible skill. And I understand why Kevin loves playing with him so much. He's like, this guy's incredible. He's an artist, and it's like, but like a lot of super awesome artists, they're very mercurial. So you got to deal with all the other things that come along with them, right? And it's like. If your whole goal was like winning, it may not be always conducive to do that. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. 
All right, the odds for this series is not out are not out yet because we don't know who their who the matchup's going to be. Look, I think if it's Cleveland, I understand your point about it still being tough for Miami, but Cleveland doesn't score enough points for me. Like I just like where are they getting offense from on a regular basis? Darius Garland is incredible, yeah. but I saw that's it. Yeah, I saw Okoro and Markinen, and I'm like, what are you guys even doing out here? Like, and this is the Nets who don't even play good defense. How are you not scoring? So, and Miami's way better defensively. So I can see that series ending earlier. However, Atlanta, look, we've talked about Trey a million times. I'm not going to rehash all the stuff he said at the beginning of the season. But that dude led the league in total points and total assists. When he's on the floor, that is an elite offensive team. They're the number two offense in the league this year. I mean, like, they're so good. They'll, they'll find a way to score points against Miami, and that could be an interesting series. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but that would go longer than five games to me. I, I have the Heat in six if they play the Hawks, and five if they play the Cavs. Uh, Trey Young is not just a brilliant player in every way you can imagine, but he's also really creative as a passer. He throws early lobs uh, off pick-and-roll coverages that, that almost no one ever sees. He leads Capella. Uh, and Akanyu to, Akanyu to dunks that they would never get playing with anyone else in the NBA right now. No one else would lead the lob, the look-away lob dunks he throws them. And they got to run 15 feet to get them sometimes. They do. But he does it. And uh, I think John Collins being out, if he's out, would, would, yeah. would bury them ultimately. Yeah. But um, I think Miami would have to really work. They'll have to work against Cleveland just to score. But they'll finish the series faster. Atlanta, especially if it's 2-2. And now Atlanta's thinking, hey, <laughs> we can pull the same thing we pulled last year a little bit. Belief is a powerful thing. Yes. Uh, but hope, what did, what did uh, Andrew France say? Hope, hope is the best of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, if they get to 2-2, they're going to have some real hope. Like Miami doesn't want to be up 2-1, tied in the second half at Atlanta for game four. Correct. Like It's a battle if that's the case. Mm-hmm. They, they're, up, they're up 2-0. And uh, in game three, and they're up five with four to play. Okay, it's a battle. We can end it at 3-0. Man, it's 2-1, close in the second half of game four. They are in for it, I think. It doesn't mean they won't win in six, but it'll be, which is what I have to do. It'll be really tough. Uh, Agree 100%. Let's move to the Western Conference. Memphis Grizzlies at the number two seed versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay, here are the odds. Grizzlies in seven, plus 300. Oh, but the, oh, interesting. Grizzlies in five. Plus 270. Grizzlies in seven, plus 300. Grizzlies in six, plus 360. Here's what that's telling me. A little course correction because Vegas has been off on, on Memphis all year, but now they realize, oh no, they're legit. Minnesota, they could be a little bit of fool's gold. That's where that, that's where that Grizzlies in five comes from. Because while they're young and exciting and all that, they also do a lot of boneheaded, dumb things as a basketball team and turn the ball over. And you could see something where they kind of you know, as, as a young team, just shoot themselves in the foot because they just do stupid stuff. Uh, so that's why I can see Grizzlies in five. as like, why that's such a popular bet. But the Grizzlies in seven is another one people see going. Look, this is super talented. I asked you about a month and a half ago, should I be worried if it's, if it's Timberwolves versus Grizzlies around one? You're like, I mean, you should be. It's, they're good. I, I love what I see from, uh, you know, that whole Timberwolves squad. When, when D'Angelo Russell's on, he does some really special things for them. He kind of settles them and calms them a bit because they, again, they tend to be erratic and Ant, as much as I love Ant, he sometimes plays like a young 20 year old and loses his mind for stretches. And it's like, uh, in a bad way. And I'm like, let's rein it back in. Uh, and you know, cat's kind of volatile, but they got Pat Bev, who is this 
coalescer, this engine that's got them playing with swag. It's going to be the loudest, talkiest, shit-talkiest series that we have in round one. Nothing but chatter between just Pat Bev and Dylan Brooks alone. Just be nonstop talking. Nonstop talking on game. You son of a bitch. That was exactly right, man. Just talking all game. They're going to be at it. So uh, a couple things. Um, I think that, I mean, Minnesota shoots it so well that they, they might get a win or two just because they don't miss. Like, you know, I used to say about the Houston teams when they were trying to make a run with the Warriors. Like, they're going to have two wins of every, every series where it doesn't matter what you do. They're just going to make 18, 22 bombs, you know, and 45 or 50. And you can't win those games. They, they're scoring too many points on half their possessions to, to beat them. Uh, Minnesota has got a real shot for that. The problem is the matchup is not great for them in the standpoint of what they tend to exploit. Memphis does typically a pretty good job at, for example, Minnesota caused a lot of turnovers the way they play. Memphis, you have two teams with Memphis. You have the John Morant-led version, which turns it over more, but they have John Morant on their team, mm-hmm. so they score a lot too. And then you have the Tyus Jones second group. So don't turn it over at all. No. Mm-hmm. So that's a bad matchup, I think, for them. And um, I also think that you know, Minnesota wants to give up a lot of threes, but Memphis ain't shooting a lot of threes. They don't play that. They don't, they don't, you, what is he, what is all that about smoke? They, they oh, we're climbing up the chimney. <laughs> yeah, they, they're going to the rim. Um, I think that Memphis is going to, the hardest thing to gauge is how does Memphis deal with being the heavy favorite? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is new for them. And, and, and I'll, I'll just say this briefly. When I was first coaching, um, man, I, I won a lot. I, I won a lot in the regular season. And if I was working at camp, I, I'd go weeks and I'd never lose a, a, camp, a, a game during the week. I took it so seriously. And the other coaches were having fun at summer camp. Man, I was, I was drawing shit up. I was scouting. Like, I, <laughs> I was trying to build a career. And I was not a good playoff coach for a couple of years. Uh, didn't mean we didn't win, but it wasn't because of me. I hurt our team. I did not handle the pressure. Now, I was 23, 24 years old. But uh, there, I learned. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so different. And then on occasion, maybe I'd have a guy hurt or I just had no talent week or whatever, and we would not be the favorite. Man, that was fun. I once got brought into a game, Gerard, where the team was down like 15 and a half, and the coach got ejected. And there was mm-hmm. no, there's no assistant in camp games. And the commissioner, it was five-star, Howard Garfield, came to me. I was the commissioner of, the, of our league, and, and Howard ran the whole thing. He said, I need you to take over the team. I can't have kids playing a playoff game with no coach. They paid 500 bucks to come to camping for the week. Mm-hmm. Man, it was the most fun I ever had in a half. We, we did not win, but we got really close to pulling the greatest upset ever in a half because it was just no pressure. Memphis is going to feel – last year against the Jazz, no pressure. Dylan Brooks was unbelievable. John Morant was unbelievable. I watched every game. Uh, it's going to feel so differently now. Yeah. And yeah. if they don't win both in Memphis, they're going to feel mm. everything. Mm. They're going to feel it in Memphis – and they're going to feel Minnesota. Uh, and they need to get past it. it, it it'd be good for their, their future if they're tied at two after four and winning six. Mm, yeah, They've yeah. kept it together. They won at home. Then they won on the road. End of story. They will be – because this team's doing this for years. Mm-hmm. Memphis is here for years. And you and I would be very happy about that because we love our Triple J and Doc. <laughs> exactly. And I love all those guys. So, um, But Minnesota, I mean – Here's the thing. Uh, they, uh, this is the, there's the series to watch if you want to see the opposite of Brooklyn. If you want to see the opposite of Hero Ball. I mean this. I, I get why Brooklyn does it. I don't agree, but I get it. But they don't, neither of these teams do that. Right. Like, they don't just throw the ball to Cat in the Post or run pick and pop. They're running stuff. 
They're running blended things. They're running. They're changing screens. They're doing hand. Uh, they're doing get game in a pick and roll and a get game to back door. Uh, they're doing pin down seal for cat inside where he'll he'll set a down screen for for uh, uh, Edwards and then mm-hmm. get real big inside or he'll curl himself off it. Uh, the other thing is, uh, and I wrote this, uh, Edwards is the best defender on their team against Edwards. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Because I don't think anyone can guard him in this series. No, you can't stay in front of him. I don't you, think you so. I, there's some players that can, but not in this series. No. Uh, I think he'll just end up taking bad shots. But here's the thing. Yes. He sometimes makes those shots. <laughs> and if he gets rolling on a team that shoots as well as they do, and if Cat doesn't just – uh, look to shoot from the perimeter, but gets involved in the post. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna win some games. I, I again, I think I have Memphis in six, but I I think it's a hell of a series. Yeah, um, of course. Uh, shout out, gonna be down in Memphis for game two. Looking forward to that. Uh, heading down there uh, on Sunday, so I'm gonna get a vibe of the of the city and how they're feeling after game one, and then as we head to game two. Look, I think, and this is not just because I we love Triple J, but he's gonna be very important in this series. Obviously, what he does defensively, like the league in blocks, how he protects the rim. Also, can you, when they close lineups, he's often going to be the five in a lot of yeah. closing lineups. Yeah. You know, I, I like him in a matchup against Cat. I think he'll, he'll be just fine. I also think offensively, when they collapse and Jaws got to kick out, is he knocking down the three? Because like, for his career, we've, we've seen two seasons where he shot the ball 37.5% from three with volume, not on like one shot a game, like on, you know, four or five. So he can do it. It's will he do it in the post? That's going to be big because if he's scoring from out there and it forces Minnesota, oh, we, we got to do something different now. That to your point about uh, you know the the, the Bucks Bulls series, shoot threes, force force Milwaukee to make a yeah. change, force Minnesota to do something different. Well, now we're talking, right? Because now they, now that means the paint's a little more free. Jock can do all this crazy dunks and all that stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that how that plays I, out. I want to throw one other thing. Watch for him. Uh, at the, the nail to the top of the key, one on one against Cat. Cat is Cat mm-hmm. is prone to fouling in a way that Triple J is too. <laughs> we we saw we saw it in the playing game, <laughs> right? Right. So, uh, Jaron Jackson is just he's all arms and elbows and knees yes. and yeah. It's uh, I don't know if you ever saw the um the very first Alien and then Aliens, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, that's a scary beast in that movie <laughs> in those movies. Jaron Jackson Jr. attacking from the middle of the floor against Cat. It's hard not to foul that guy because he throws shit into you. Like, you're lucky to get a punch in the face and get an offensive <laughs> foul, which would be bad for him, or elbow in the face on accident. But I want to see that because that, to me, you, you talk about a three-point shooting. Another To me, the next step for him is scoring in isolation to the rim. Mm-hmm. Yes. Remember, I, du- I dumbly, maybe, ignorantly, maybe labeled him Tim Duncan 2.0, and it, it was really more for just shooting and defense. But... It was also for just scoring because mm-hmm. there aren't no – you don't do it in the low post anymore, typically. Right. You're facing up. He is agile, yes. and he's got Very, skill, yeah. and he's he poised does. with the ball. If he Both can attack Cat and score, mm-hmm. boy, that's a game – and especially draw a foul. Then it's over if, they, mm-hmm. if he can't guard him. I'd like to see that. If not, he's got work to do. But I think it's mm-hmm. possible that he ends up being a one-on-one score. I remember when Siakam did that against Raymond Green – in the Warriors series in that, in that championship year. And I thought, oh boy, I, I didn't know Siakam was scoring on one-on-one from perimeter. And now we see what Siakam's doing. If Jaron Jackson Jr. can do that against Cat, who's a good defender, not a great one. He's just good. He's not amazing. That's a step for, for as we mm-hmm. watch this guy going forward. Then what do you do? Now you got Morant going to the rim and this guy, and you have the shooters in the perimeter mm-hmm. 
Melton and Bain and those guys. Mm-hmm. So Brooks, uh, who's more of an attacker, but yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the best series to watch. No, it, it will be for sure. And we saw a bit of that this year, particularly when Ja was out. Jaron creating off the bounce in isolation because they needed to get offense somewhere. He doesn't bang a lot of the headlines, but if you watch those games closely, there was a lot of Jaron Jackson one-on-one against his matchup, just attacking, either scoring, or to your point, getting fouls, and he's an excellent free throw shooter, 80, 80% or more. So, look, this, this will be an exciting series. Really looking forward to this one. Okay, this is an interesting one, Coach. The number three Golden State Warriors versus Denver Nuggets. I will caveat with the Steph Curry piece. He did scrimmage yesterday. Uh, all signs are he will play in game one. He's optimistic. Coach Kerr's optimistic. You know, everybody likes to play these games now about like, oh, I'm not really sure. He's playing game one. So here are the likely scenarios according to Vegas. Warriors in five, plus 300. Warriors in seven, plus 330. And Warriors in six, plus 400. Now, here's what's interesting to me because I, I was like, as much as I love Jokic, you love Jokic, he's the MVP, all that. Coach, like, I, it's just the rest of the dudes. I'm like, I just don't know if that's enough to beat this Warriors team. Like, I know what they've done in the regular season. I know what Jokic can do when he's passing and those guys are cutting and they run stuff. I just, Mancuno, Compazzo, and Austin Rivers, and look, Aaron Gordon could be the best guy in Orlando. Like, I just, to me... I see it Warriors in five, but you know, I could be wrong. Uh, I, uh, first of all, I just don't know about Curry. Um, when I did, when I wrote my thing on them, I think Curry was less likely to play game one, which meant the Warriors had a tougher time to win game one. And I think I picked, I picked the Warriors in seven, but mm-hmm. um, the Warriors are, are the, are the better team. Denver really is kind of a one man team. Uh, I think it'd be good for, I think the Warriors are a sneaky Western uh, contender. Um, mm-hmm. If he's back and healthy, I think they can remanufacture what they had before. Only now they have clay. Uh, They've got uh, the Looney Green matchup inside. Mm -hmm. Two big, strong, brilliant defenders. Uh, Looney's so underrated against uh, uh, Jokic. Jokic. Uh, The the Golden State's goal has to be, let's make sure he doesn't average 40, 18, and 12. Correct. If we can just make him look like a normal superstar, mm-hmm. we're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's when he's another level, we're in trouble. If he's Bernard King, we're in trouble. It's the passing. We can't we can't let him average double-digit assists. If he's going 12, 15, we're cooked. But if he's doing yeah. five or, assists. Or, or 40 on 20 shots. Like, we can't do yeah. that. We got to make mm-hmm. him work. And, and then they'll be okay. Um, but I, I look at it this way, Gerard. I like the idea of, okay, what is Golden State fine? I'm, I'm a big believer that what happens in the series before helps you. Uh, the Bucks don't beat the Suns without beating the Nets the way they beat the Nets, in my opinion. Down 2-0, you know their self-talk was, we've done this against maybe a better team. Like, we're going to be fine. And they were. They won four straight. So um, I, I think that in this series, if, if, uh, if, go, if Clay gets cooking, you know, Nuggets have some small guards. And Clay can just shoot over them off the dribble, little pull-ups. They're layups for him. Uh, uh, so now the Nuggets have to play Aaron Gordon against him, which means they're a little bit less effective inside. Uh, if they slough off on Looney or Draymond Green, those guys run the Queens and Art, and there's no help on the shooters coming off the screen. It's problematic for Denver. Uh, that being said, if Curry is not 100%, mm-hmm. uh, nope. Wiggins has not done, Wiggins been no. okay late, but he's not been great. No, he's been bad. He's not been an all-star late. So mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Um, he and Poole have to show their speed, have to get on the glass. Um, I think that the Nuggets can really hurt the Warriors on the glass when Looney and mm-hmm. or Green are out. 
that's a big deal for me. Um, I because that Denver Denver attacking the glass gets more options for Jokic yep. to be brilliant. Second, so um, additional possessions. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think it can be a. I think it. I think it should be a competitive series unless Steph is back to what he was to start the year, and then I think it's a route. Yeah, if, if he if he's like how he was MVP level, they, yeah. they got nothing. I think so. Um, and there is, I mean, I don't want to say zero chance, but it doesn't look like they're getting back Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray. No, I wouldn't think uh, so. And even if so, so, I mean, they've been right. all year. Yeah, so. it, it's, you know, and it's a shame, right? Because it's not so. that you wasted a Jokic here. It's just like, it'd be nice to see him advance, you know, a little further. Yeah. But we are where we are. Another series cursed that the lines aren't out and it didn't come out because the injury was so concerning. Even now, now we know the number four Dallas Mavericks versus Utah Jazz. Um, Luka will not play game one. He does have a calf strain. Look, I, the Jazz have lots of problems, and we'll talk about them in a second. But Luka is the type of player who, in the Western Conference, he can be the best player in every series that he plays, right? If a lot of people had them, if he was healthy, it's like a dark coach to make the conference finals because he's that good. Well, if he's on one leg, maybe they're not as good, right? He's not take, able to take advantage of some of the things that, that, that he normally does. Um, I love what they have with Brunson and Dinwiddie. I love their defense. I just worry about them scoring enough. Although Dinwiddie can score uh, on his own, and Brunson has shown ability to attack. I just Luca kind of is such an engine that makes that team go for so many ways and finds open guys for open threes. He playmakes in a way that the other two can't playmake. I think it'll be tough, even against a Utah team that has a ton of problems. I mean, Gerard, if Luca doesn't play all year, does Dallas make the playoffs? No, I don't think so either. So, <laughs> apples and oranges. If Luca plays, I think they roll. I think Utah knows they're done. I think Rudy Gobert is gone. Uh, mm. I think Quinn is gone. I think they know it. I, people in the league talk about it. People in the league yep. are talking about who's going to get Rudy Gobert in a trade. I have agents representing centers thinking they're going to be going to Utah because they're going to have a hole at center. So, words out. And um, and I think I'll, I think all the players know it. That being said. You never know what galvanizes and starts a wildfire. Yeah. You know, yes. Luca being out and they went two straight in Dallas and all of a sudden here comes Utah and uh, they'll, they'll fake it for a while anyway. I, I don't think it'll last too long, but they're an amazing offensive team still. Yeah, and, number one uh, league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll put up a fight to some degree, but if Luca plays, well, if, if Luca, Luca's going to play, I, I shouldn't say that, Luca might play, uh, but they'll be down when he shows up. Not that Dallas couldn't steal game one without Luka, it's possible, but it's not likely. Utah's still a talented team, and, and I think with Luka, they roll easily. I just think Utah's ready to be put away, but Dallas without Luka is just – Spencer Dinwiddie is better when Luka has three guys yes. guarding him, mm-hmm. making his catch and <laughs> well, quick yeah. attack. Yeah. Catch a quick attack, catch and shoot. He's been great. I right. love that. Spencer Dinwiddie is better when Luca has three guys guarding him. Well, that means because right. he can now play four on two. <laughs> right. yeah, it's easy then. So, um, otherwise, it's like half the Wizards are, are on the floor. That's not good. So, I think um, um, Utah got lucky. And whatever. They had bad luck last year. They got some good luck. But it's not going to last too long either way, I don't think. So, you said apples and oranges. And here's something interesting to think about. And it's not quite the same thing. But you'll understand what I'm saying when I go here. Last year in the conference semis, when the Bucks were down 0-2, heading back to Milwaukee, and the Nets like really kind of tapped them bad those first two games, like in, in the playoff setting. What was all the talk? All right, bud, pack your bags because you're getting sent out of here. All the things, right? They win four of the next five. They go to the championship. Bud's got an extension. My point being, 
you're about like galvanizing. You never know what can turn yep. it. And the margins are so thin. See, we don't, no one thinks about that now. Everyone thinks, oh, the Bucks, they were just so dominant last year. It's like, no, that's not how it went. That's not how it went. Down 0-2, and everybody's like, it's a wrap. We got to get butt out of here. Changes are coming. All of a sudden, things shift. Now, of course, they had some injury luck help them. Kyrie goes down, hardens. Yeah, but that's how the game works, yeah, right? right? Things flip, and you never know what's the galvanizing force, which causes the change. Now, Utah's going to need a hell of a lot of galvanizing forces to happen to push them in that direction. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah, they had deep. They have deeper uh, seated uh, fishers. Yes. Milwaukee was just yes. losing some games. I, I, yeah. I sense no acrimony. I don't yeah. think anyone had a problem with anyone. They, yeah. they, they got some problems in Utah. Like it's oh, very clear. Yeah. And I think management screwed up. I think some of those guys will be fired too. Um, but yeah, you like I said, you win a couple games, and uh, early on, and all of a sudden everything's hunky dory until the next team punches you in the mouth. Which <laughs> well, it's interesting because I'm hearing the same things you're hearing that the the pairing's going to get broken up. Now, I think we both agree on this you would get more in return for Donovan than you would for Rudy. And whoever trades for Rudy, it's a little bit more challenging for you constructing your team because you're going to have to be smart about what you put around him to make it work versus everyone knows what to do with a ball-dominant scorer. Like, that, that's just, that's easy. Yeah, that's, okay. So what do, you, what do you think are good landing destinations for Rudy? Um, and that would be like, oh, now this team's a title contender all of a sudden. Uh. Chicago would be interesting. Oh, yeah. I've not. I've not thought about this for a second. But um, you, you, you know, you want to put him on a team that looks pretty damn good, that has scores, and just as bad on defense. So that's the first thing that came to my mind is uh, is the Bulls. What it would take, I don't know. I don't think they're going to try to trade Pat Williams, but uh, Io is pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Caruso is pretty damn good. And that well, what would work there is you have perimeter defense in Caruso and Lonzo Ball, which is his problem in Utah, right? His perimeter defenders are shitty, and they get beaten every time. So he's got to cover the paint and race out and cover three-point shooters. Yeah. Ah, interesting. That could work. Yeah, I heard, I, I I heard rumors about Golden State. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think they can't afford him. Um, I mean, they'd have to give up Kaminga, Wiseman, yeah. and Moody for sure. Yeah, and then whatever that, salary that, matches. Uh, we'll see how it goes this Wiggins. year. Because- yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see how it goes this year with Golden State because if they can roll, they should be better next year. And and you know, Weissman is we don't we have no idea. Kaminga looks like he's gonna be a player. Oh man, he looks so good. I think he's a stud. I think Weissman's a stud, as you know. Um, and then with these all these veterans and Joy Jordan Poole has played, they gotta pay him now. Mm-hmm. Having those young guys come in could really make them formidable next year again. We're going deep in the luxury tax in Golden State. All right, the 1-8 matchup is not set. Well, we know who the one is, the Phoenix Suns, best team in the regular season all year. Um, They're either going to play the New Orleans Pelicans or Los Angeles Clippers to be determined tonight. I will point this out. Paul George is out, contracted COVID. That's a real problem. Although, maybe not, because they're so used to playing with them all year anyway. You know, just roll. Tyler will do what he's got to do. If it was Paul George and the Clippers in the first round, maybe things get a little dicey because of Paul George. But honestly, Phoenix is so good, Coach. Like I don't I, – either team, I think Phoenix makes short work of them uh, in round one. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree. I, I, New Orleans is so interesting with, um, with Alvarado and mm-hmm. Herb Jones with Brandon Ingram and Valanciunas and Zion next year. Mm-hmm. And Trey Murphy and as, a, mm-hmm. as a shooter uh, with uh, some of the guards they have coming off the bench. So this is just gravy. If the, if the Pelicans win tonight, which is possible, I think your point is right. 
I, I almost think Paul George being out uh, hurts the Pelicans more than it helps <laughs> the Clippers because they're going to get confident. And I said, instead of being the pesky team, you know, thinks they can. LA's like, yeah, whatever. We haven't had them all year pretty much. We'll be fine. Uh, Ty Lue's great. Um, and and uh, you know, Willie Green is new. This is, you know, only second ever late postseason or playing, whatever, ever. Um, but I, I like, I really like the Pelicans. Like right now, I'm, if I was, if I was handicapping MVPs for next year, I would pick Zion first, <laughs> like I did this year. I think he is going to have an extraordinary season if he's healthy. And unlike a year ago, he should be feeling pretty good about this group. Pretty well, good. I was just going to say that. I think he's a little more excited now watching what yeah. he's seeing. He's like, ooh, yeah. this CJ McCollum guy is oh, you know, he's, he's so perfect be, for them. He's to be respected, right? Yeah. And CJ said something very interesting when he in an interview when he came over. It wasn't about me coming in as a veteran and just talking and telling guys what to do. I had to come in, show by example what I yeah. do. When they start, and then it, then I can start opening up, getting to know guys, then start talking. I mean, he's just, the, and I know it's why Henry loved them so much in Portland, why he fits so well. He doesn't come in and just say, okay, this is what we got to do, guys. No, no, no. I'm going to fit in with one of the guys, show you how hard I work. We go out to dinners. We got to get to know each other. Then it's like, oh, you're asking me about how I, well, let me tell you how. It's how hard I work, and this is, this is how I plan things. That's a, that's a nice little squad, coach. Like, I mean, if Zion's healthy next year with all that, I mean, they're, I'm not saying direct correlation but they could do what memphis potentially did this year something sure. in that realm for sure they can i'm just saying I, I i don't i don't get uh too caught up in much i've just watched so many of these games but when herb jones and jose Alvarado are on the court mm -hmm. like it is a different kind of pro basketball better watch Those your cookies <laughs> yeah exactly right watch your cookies <laughs> they are they are terrors just terrors and you can have one of them on the court all the time if you stagger it the right way. And uh, Zion should be a good defender. Valanciunas, not so much. Zion should be a good defender. Uh, Brandon Ingram should be a good defender. He's so long and, and understanding how to play. Uh, CJ, not so much. So you're not going to have a ton of them. But, but when you're resting them, you can, you can play Jose with you know, a scoring guard, uh, Dante Graham or whatever. I, yeah, I, I think if they win this game, amazing for New Orleans. Even if they lose, just what they did this year – I think what you said is right. Zion's got to be thinking, all right, like, I'm good. Like, I, I don't know how long I'm going to stay here, but I'm going to try to make this a good next, you know, couple years anyway, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we got enough talent here to do something special if I'm as good as I think I am. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would say if I was president of the team. Is, all right, Zion, I've set the table for you, buddy. We've got yeah. professional scorer in CJ McCollum, who that's what mm -hmm. he is. He's so important for them in that role. I've got mm -hmm. dogged defenders. I've got oh. size. I have an elite mm -hmm. scorer in Brandon Ingram. Like mm -hmm. the table is set for you to run the table and be the best player in this world. All right. Pretty much. You now. You're right. That's, That's what I all players normally want. They want that. And, and they're not all, you know, CJ and Brandon want the ball in their hands a bunch, but Zion put the ball in his hands and let him make plays for them. And then, then he can play off them. It's a perfect combination. Those guys are good players. And in case yeah. of Brandon an all-star potential. So it uh, has been before. Yeah, I think uh, that's going to be – I think you're right. You, you, let's remember this next year. They are Memphis for next year if, if, if it turns out Zion comes back next season. For sure. All right, before we go, let's do our playoff top five. So it's like a power yeah. ranking. That's who do we think are the five best teams heading into the playoffs? Now, that's tough because you got more than five teams in the playoffs, but, hey, on, only the top five make it. Uh, I will start with my number five. I'm going to give, and it's strictly because you know how I feel about Kevin Durant. Brooklyn Nets get my five spot because of Kevin Durant. I'm going to go with Miami. Okay. My number four, I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics because, you know, <laughs> they're really good. <laughs> By yeah, the way, did I, you know, Coach, 
They I, finished the year number one in adjusted net rating. They yeah. passed Phoenix late. I mean, you know, Phoenix was resting guys, whatever, but still. I would go with them if Robert Williams was going to play. I just, I just, and yeah. I may change it next week, but um, I'm going to go with uh, your Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Number three, I mean, they're the defending champs for crying out loud. Jesus Christ. The Memphis, I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, they got Giannis. They're really yeah. good. <laughs> I'm going to pick Golden State for number three. Um, with uh, if Steph, I'm hoping if Steph is going to be okay and, and get healthier now in the postseason. Number two, my Memphis Grizzlies. I see conference finals in our future. <laughs> and I've got Milwaukee at number two. And then we okay, both Okay, the Phoenix. number one, we got Phoenix as number one yeah. for sure. Deservedly so. Look, if we give Phoenix Milwaukee as a redo, I'm not mad. Yeah. That's what I, I still think that, but um, I think Miami, well, you said Boston too. Mm-hmm. I favor Miami over Boston, but I mean, only because of Robert Williams. Yeah. Show me Robert Williams in a game looking yeah. like Robert Williams. Then it's Boston again. Yeah. I'm flipping it. And then I'm going with Boston as my favorite in the East, along with Milwaukee. Uh, you know, I don't got to pick that finals until we get there. But they'd be my uh, two favorites. L- look ahead right now. What would a Boston, healthy Boston, Robert Williams versus uh, Milwaukee Bucks series look like? Oh, man. Seven game beat down. Mm. Both teams just exhausted. Yeah. I, I don't know who I'd favor. You know, I, I, might, I might have to favor um, Boston. Really? Because Drew, Drew can't guard... Um, Tatum and Brown. You can't guard both those guys. Right. Yeah. For, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Giannis having to guard them. And here's the thing. I love that Tatum wants to guard the other team's best player. I really love that. He, he should. And he does. I watched him a bunch of Brooklyn tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's picking up Durant. They oh, yeah. He goes, mm-hmm. But he ain't afraid to start with him. And I like that. And Jalen isn't either. I, yeah, I think, you know, it, to me, it all depends on how they do in round one, how do they look, how fresh they are. Milwaukee has a big advantage, potentially, of resting for 10 days in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and keep in mind, everyone forgets this about Boston. They have conference finals experience. Those young oh, dudes sure. been they've been there. Yeah. Right? So this is so they can be that team that's kind of like, oh, they're not young. These guys have kind of been doing this for the last three, four years. They just had some, you know, weird luck. Anyway, coach, playoffs are here. We're excited. Stay tuned. Of course, we're gonna have more true hoop content from the playoffs coming coming our way. Enjoy the playoffs, guys. Take care. Be safe.